Welcome to the Dick and Ham Show. You've missed the first 40 minutes. So what's happened is we've been talking for quite some time. Sam's already dropped out once or twice and I haven't been recording. That's that's what's happened there. So it's going to be a short episode this week. We talked about shake weights. We talked about, uh, Dave mentioned the, the, the Amsterdam-based medieval sex toy museum that has a bike that has leather penises that comes around and hits you in the crotch. Some of our best best material and ironically uh, best material we've ever done it's it's lost uh, lost for good but i'm recording now so that's good cool so so i guess we treat the first bit as a as a warm-up so welcome to the dick and ham show the second attempt at recording it this week you got sam and hugh and david a sponsor this week by subway eat fresh and by big trends big houses we put in the reps so you have success so we will not go over the things that were not recorded because that's pointless what we could do is uh, well after welcoming Sam welcoming Hugh is to go straight into the mailbag because we have mailbag. Sounds good. A couple of a couple of characters have written into us. One of them is actually a correction from a previous episode from our friend Captain Cameron, and his email goes like this: "Hello, Dick Show. Here I was walking along the foreshore on a nice morning stroll, enjoying the breeze through my scalp." whilst listening to my mates on, I guess we could call it a podcast. It was a, it was looking like a good day. Is that a self, is that a self wind up from Cammy? Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. It's a good strategy. It's a good it, strategy. It is yeah. self, self depreciating humor. It was looking like a good day. Had a, fresh, ahead of it. Yeah. had a fresh set of Nikes on, had some spreadsheets to do for work and the latest Chinese dragon dance music in my playlist. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was walking along, he's listening. It's going well so far. Walking along, I hear your reference, the curiosity show on your show. Yes, we did reference that on about episode nine. My ears pricked up. I love that show and was thinking, everything's coming up, Cammy. My anticipation levels rose. Something akin to 1998 Tuesday nights when I knew a new episode of Buffy was about to arrive. He did love Buffy. He really did love Buffy. That's true. But then... Sure did. But then to hear you describe the Curiosity Show as James Valentine's show. Are you kidding me? This is sacrilege. James Valentine hosted the afternoon show. The afternoon show, David, he writes... That was where we got our daily dose of monkey magic, the goodies, Degrassi Junior High, classic. And you can't mm-hmm. do that on television. There's a show that I haven't thought about in a while. Curiosity Show. I would actually reckon the, the Curiosity Show was maybe even older than those, right? Like that yes. was like, like those guys had yeah. old school haircuts. Yes. So so did you not? Why didn't you stop me if you knew this, or were you not on that episode? No, I wasn't on. I remember listening, and to be honest, I I, I did I didn't know who James Valentine was, but I'm like oh, I don't remember those guys being called. James nor Valentine, but yeah, well, well nah. Cammy clears it all James up. Valentine, I, I did think I did think to myself that wasn't the show that he was on, and I do remember him looking like the Fido Dido guy that uh, that Steve O said, but um, I let it go. Yeah, well, Cammy Cammy clears it up for us by saying the following: the Curiosity Show, Curiosity Show was the seventies and eighties Australian classic that taught kids the fundamentals of physics and chemistry. A clear no-brainer to be a hit kids show. There was no James Valentine in sight. We had Rob and Dean. Mm, Rob and Dean, that's right. Rob was the guy with the skivvy and the goatee. Dean was the bloke who looked like a cross between Stan's dad and Ian Chappell. Yes, great description. And I remember whenever he finished doing like an experiment or something, he'd always look at the camera and he'd say, try it on your friends. I remember that. Great show. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and, and they've actually, there, there was an article in the paper about it, which made me get on it. People have put them all up onto YouTube. And so I watched them with the boys. They'll be like, you know, you can make, they'll be like, here's how you can, like, they're incredibly like dated and 80s. But in terms of like, 
some of the things where like they show a kid how you can like use a fucking lemon to light up a globe or something like, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. But it, and it's, some of the fash is incredible, you know, and just the sets and stuff, which look like, I don't know, we went to a shop, bought some cardboard and kind of slapped it together in the garage then put it on television kind of thing. But um, the lessons are good and the guys are pretty likable. They're so old now. They showed a photo of them and you're just like, wow, it's been a long time. Mm. Yeah, sometimes mm. you don't want to see that. Like you remember them being a certain way and you just think, oh, wow. It's worth looking them up on YouTube. You, it also, you hear the music and stuff and it'll take you back. Well, mm. the, um, Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, no, I'd like to. Well, um yeah, I don't know what I was about to say about that, but no, the Curiosity Show. So, yeah, apologies, Cammy, for that uh, egregious mistake there. So that was our, our mail from Cammy, and he also closed by saying he was hoping that Rob and Dean were not listening to the show. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure they weren't. If you, if you look at the numbers of people listening, I, well, that's I what they said about guys. Steve Derry, wasn't it? You know, that's true. And he actually wrote again, but there was nothing good in the email, so I'm not going to read it out. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a tough bit on Steve. No, sorry. Yeah, it was, it was nothing tough. good. The con the content was shit. So <laughs> tough hit. I'll take that Jeez. back. It, it was a good email that just was kind of just saying thanks for uh, thanks for referencing me on it. He did suggest Sam to have a weekly gardening segment. I don't know if you got that in you or not, but he wants more gardening content. I I don't know whether that's what the fans want right now. I feel like they want it probably they're looking for something more salacious than than me talking about different types of you know fertilizer treatments for veggies and yeah. possum death traps yeah well maybe uh, you and steve have your own you know side hustle where you do gardening and talk about possum traps and and, uh, and gardening on a, on a separate separate podcast steve and sam yeah. well sam and steve actually has got to, i'll go first i'll probably put my name first <laughs> i'm the one with the sort of i'm just saying i'm the one with the reputation in the biz i'm not going to go I'm going to have to be second in a two-man game. I'm not going to have my name second, am I? And okay. 70-30 split on the rev. Not, it's, not, <laughs> it's not Garfunkel and Simon, is it? At that, no, is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's something about Garfunkel and Simon that it just clearly doesn't have a ring to it. And it's like... No, it's not Cash and Tango. Star, Lennon, McCartney. <laughs> well, the other mail that we've got to you, no, thank you, Steve, for writing it again. And I appreciate the ongoing yeah, thanks, message. Thanks, Steve. The other one is from our guy, uh, Johnny, Johnny the Mac, the return of the Mac. Hmm. Long time Ooh, listener. First I'm worried about this one. Well, no, look, I, I think uh, it's not what you think, but I do think we, uh, we perhaps slammed a little bit hard on the sport of hockey and on uh, people like John who play and love the game. So I think we do owe him and the hockey going public an apology on that. Uh, he wasn't asking for one, but I, in hindsight, when I listened to it, perhaps we were a little strong on the, uh, the hockey uh, nastiness there. So uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with hockey at all. And uh, that's that. What he wanted to say was, firstly, let me congratulate you on a great podcast. I love listening to you cover the very topics each week. Let's call it weeks. Yes, he's recognized that it's not actually weekly. Found myself agreeing or adding in comments out loud, often as if we were catching up per normal. Well, that's good. That's kind of the, what we're hoping for. It's to make it feel as if we we're actually hanging out and talking. The main reason I'm writing, I love the TV recommendations. Uh, here are my thoughts on the ones, some of the ones you raised. Dark, I loved it. Totally agreed with Ranch on his thoughts. So I guess he was confused by Dark as well as you were, Ranch. Hmm. It, um, it does wrap itself up kind of at the end. And I think I, I, I think I kind of articulated that I didn't know if I was dumb and couldn't keep up or whether it was just too confusing or whether it was just kind of opaque in its storytelling in the third season. And I think it's, it's the, it's, it's the latter. It's, 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 you're not meant to fully put all the pieces together until kind of closer towards the end of that third season, which 
I think is fine, but you know, part of the the brilliance of the first two seasons is that it's super complex, but you can still watch it and keep up. You know, like it's you know, it's it's not it's not keeping you in the dark, so to speak. You're actually able to kind of keep up and, and kind of keep pace with it if you're paying attention. Whereas the third season just was a little bit different. But it, it does it does finish itself up really well, and um, yeah, I, it's a it's a recommend from me. And J Mac, yeah, J Mac also loves Patriot. I'm actually starting to struggle with Patriot. I'm about seven episodes oh. in and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with the guys he works with. It's, it's, I keep waiting for something else. To, I'm not quite there yet. So I'm a bit, bit, mm. bit so, going soft. What's, it, what's it about? What's it about and what channels it on? What's it streaming on? It's, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, I, talked, I, I mentioned it last week. It's on Amazon Prime. They only did two seasons. And it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's a guy who um, needs to take a job with like a, a, a kind of industrial piping engineering firm um, in order to have like a, a non um, a non government supported kind of cover to, you know, basically funnel money to the Iranians to make sure that they don't kind of get nuclear weapons. It sounds very serious, but it's kind of not like it's, it's kind of, it, right. it's very funny, but you know, it's got some kind of twisty turny kind of storytelling in it, but it's also, it's just got this weird kind of vibe to it as well. Like there's just this, you know, like there's this, all this folk music in it and like it's really well written. It's, it's one of those shows where kind of every little detail matters and every little detail kind of comes back. Like, you know, just this type of clothing, this one guy would be randomly wearing in a scene in episode one will like really pay off in like episode eight for some reason. And it's just all these little details matter. And um, yeah, I just, I, I, reckon it's, I reckon it's absolutely sublime, but you're struggling with it, Dave, a bit. Yeah, struggling a bit. To Sam, as a reference point, it doesn't look like it but it feels a little bit tonally like a Wes Anderson type quirkiness. Exactly right. So like if, if you like the life aquatic with Steve Zissou, then you're sort of in, it's not, it's not as absurd as a film like that, but it's, um, it's sort of in the same ballpark. Yeah. Like it's not, yeah, okay. it's not wacky like that, but it's, it's very funny. And it's just got these, it, it's got these weird kind of quirks to it. Like, you know, for instance, there's just these characters that every time they address each other, even if it's just back and forth in one conversation, they will always like say each other's name at, at the start. It's like Sam, blah, 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 blah. And, and like, it'll, it'll just have these scenes that go on for so long that, you know, you would never, ever, ever see in, in another episode. It doesn't sound like you are right there just yet, Dave, but. No, I need a bit more time with it. It, at, at some point in the next couple of episodes, there'll be a scene that I guarantee you've never seen anything like it before. Like it, it goes for about five minutes and it's just these two people doing this thing and, um, and it'll blow your mind. I, I think it'll, yeah, it's, 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 I need to give it a bit more of a, a bit more of a go. One thing I do love about Patriot actually is um, they invent a highly kind of credible, but clearly nonsensical, like, terminology about the piping business yes and that's that's actually really funny like they, they go into these sales pitches where they're trying to sell people a particular type of piping and the jargon and the way they describe how they do piping there's something about it that is really really well done it's just it's just funny because it's so dumb the the, the terminology but it sounds like it could be real uh, but i'm pretty sure it's not real as an example this is an actual from the show let me walk you through our Donnelly nut spacing and crack system rim riding grip configuration. Using a field of half seized sprays and brass fitted nickel slits, our bracketed caps and splay flex brass columns vent dampeners for dampening hatch depths at one half of a meter from the damp crown on the spurve plinth. How? 
Well, we bolster 12 husk nuts to each girdle, Jerry, while flex tandems press task apparatus of 10 vertically composited patch hamplers, then pinch flam-fasted pan traps at both maiden apexes of the gym joints. <laughs> so, so, and they, they, talk, they play it straight about this is what they're selling and that this is how piping, yep. you know, I guess it's like just plumbing, right? This is how plumbing works. Imagine trying to, imagine trying to read those lines. In the first season, I reckon there's probably at least five scenes that probably go into that level of detail about it, just for no fucking reason other than they just want to do that. Yeah, it is pretty it's, funny. It's really cool. Did you guys um have you have you guys watched and thus are you watching the new version of um Fargo? I've only seen the first season of. Oh, it's the first two seasons that I've seen. Yeah, I've seen the first three seasons. I haven't started this more recent one though. Yeah, the the new one's got Chris Rock in it and um. Shit, I've forgotten the name of the name of the other guy. Chris Rock's in it. Yeah, I've only started watching, but it's pretty good. Some of the early, the first and second Fargo seasons, I thought were were brilliant. Given it's a bizarre spin-off, like it's just like, hey, we made this movie, and we're going to now make a series ten plus years later. That's going to be called Fargo. Has none of the characters from the movie, and apart from the fact that it's called Fargo and is set in the same state, has no connective tissue with the original movie of any sort which just is such a trip for me how they would have got to make this thing. But the series I thought were the first two of them in particular were just exceptionally mm. good. And you talk about weird quirky things. Yeah. There's like aliens in it and stuff for no apparent, just no apparent reason. And it's never explained and there's no point to it. You know, I love it. Yeah. I found yeah, the yeah. first season very bleak. There's just kind yes, of grim. Like there were no winners and you sort of, you think something good's going to happen to this guy who maybe deserves something good, but nothing good happens. And, it it just I it's not it sort of movie fair. to watch if you if you're um if you're not happy. <laughs> it's not going to make you feel better about life watching that. Billy Bob Thornton in it is cap- captivating. He is, he is. We saw him in New York. Remember, Sam has a has an uncanny ability to spot a celebrity, and you spotted Billy Bob because he he looked quote unquote he kind of looked yes. like a homeless guy, but he had like if a homeless guy had good clothes or like you like ten thousand dollar teeth. Yeah, we saw we saw him and um, Jared Butler on one day. Remember? We did. We saw Jared Butler in the cupcake shop. That is that is true. Star of Geostorm. Yeah, yeah. We have to watch that. But to yeah. round off the um, the J Mac, he he likes the boys that we mentioned last week. He says very graphic, but nothing compared to the actual comic books. So they must be extremely violent. Yeah, yeah. He also three that we haven't mentioned that he wanted us to bring up for the listeners Ozark, which is one that we've probably all seen a bit of. I've certainly seen the first part. I, li- I like the first season. That. Talk about bleak. Yeah, boy, I know. Oh boy. Yeah, that, that, it's very I similar. Watching, to I was like, I don't think I've got enough energy for this lingering sense of doom. Mm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the difference between that and Fargo for me was that at least with Fargo, you had in, certainly in the first season, for instance, like the, the, the police lady was just, you know, amazingly you know, nice and extremely competent at, at, at her job. Like, you know, like all the underbelly bad guys were underbelly bad guys, right? But, you know, like it wasn't, it didn't feel as bleak to me because she was just this shining light of, of you know, constructive yeah. you know, competence. I can't really remember that being around in the second season, but Ozark, I don't know, that didn't, it just didn't do it for me. The first couple of episodes I thought were amazing, but um, I think what I kind of wanted more of with that was without kind of spoiling much it's kind of the, the premise of the show like they need to set up how they're doing all this money laundering and it just feels like they hand wave away a lot of the 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 implications and the troubles of actually doing that he just kind of like says he's doing it and then he's just like then doing it 
you know, like all the, he winds up just kind of laundering all the money for the bad guys, but then there's all these other issues in the town he's dealing with or something. So yeah, that, that didn't really, didn't quite do it for me. I thought the the girl who plays the the sort of the redneck younger character is exceptionally good in that. Yeah, she's good. She She's also in The Americans, um, I think probably slightly before that, which I think certainly Andrew and I have talked about on this show before, on, on this show before, and I would recommend that like strongly. I reckon that's a, a brilliant show or was. Speaking of the Americans, have you seen the Californians? Have you seen the Californians, that SNL sketch? No. It's, it's basically Fred Armisen, the guy who went on to do Portlandia, and um, the guy went on to do Barry, I can't believe I've forgotten his name. Anyway, and Kristen Wiig and a bunch of other people, and they, they sort of have this way of talking that they obviously used to do just to take the piss about Californians. And then the whole thing is like a soap opera where they're just talking shit and everything about it comes back to traffic because of how hard it is to get anywhere in California. Oh yeah. I might've seen that actually. So there's always this bit Bill where Hader. Like, Bill Hader will be at home with the, with, you know, Fred Armisen's girlfriend. He'll be like, Stuart, what the hell are you doing here? Get out of here, Stuart, go home, get on the five and then take the one, one, two down to San Bernardo. Yeah, yeah. Every single thing they do ties back to traffic and the way they do it, there's something about it. That's just, exceptionally funny and bill Hader just cannot keep it together like he seems to break all the time in these old snl things but in this one he's just constantly breaking and it's (laughs) it's really really funny so if you want to watch snl sketches that might make you laugh i would recommend the californians but j mac also want to recommend uh hunters which i don't know anything about and preacher which i don't know anything about either so there's two from the j mac list yeah, I don't know. I don't know hunters actually. Um, I'll I'll have a look have a look for that. And preachers quite good. I, I probably watched the first maybe three seasons of that, and I've kind of lost lost track of it. But it was it was it was pretty good. It's um again based on a a um a kind of a bit of, I don't know maybe a grimy is the word for it line of comic books I think. But yeah, it's 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 got some cool stuff in there. That was hunters. Okay, that was preacher. Can I suggest that everyone listening, if they are not familiar with it, Google's um, SNL David Pumpkins sketch? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Halloween is coming up. Didn't get a lot of traction in Australia outside of people who are into that sort of thing. But yeah, Google David Pumpkins and watch the whole bit if you want to see something that's completely ridiculous and nonsensical, but for some reason just irresistible. I've been watching it. I've been watching it a few times a day the last week or two. I know (laughs) it's been around for years, so I'm late to the party. I had, I'd seen the bits of it. I'd just never seen all of it until recently. And um, it's Why is it funny though? I mean, like, and and I say this, you know, you need to know, I find it incredibly funny. I I remember I I was watching the episode when it happened and like, I was just laughing out loud. It was, it was amazing, but why the fuck is that funny? It's it's is like, it shouldn't be. It's it's nonsense. I think there's three reasons. How did you get you? that bit? How did yeah. you get that bit over the line? How did you trying to sell that? I know. It's nothing. It yeah. it certainly takes bravery to do that show live, but also it's, you got to write that stuff within a week. Like they operate on a very yeah. extreme timeline, and mm. you got to pitch these really dumb ideas. And if it's if it's only been three days since you came up with it it would be difficult to have confidence in your idea where you've got, I've got this idea called David pumpkins and Tom Hanks is going to be this dumb, not scary Halloween guy. And that's the bit like having to sell that and then do it live would take an extreme amount of balls because so many of those ideas actually wouldn't be funny, but I don't know what sort of filter they really have. But from watching the show, I feel like, I feel like it's clear from watching the show that that, that that is often the case. Like there's a lot of stuff on that show that I'm like, 
it's pretty forgettable. And like, I don't really blame them for it, but like, you'd have to expect that in a live show where they came up with the material three days before, that like three out of 10 bits are going to be genuinely good, right? I would have thought. And that yeah. one shouldn't really be good. It makes no sense. But it's all, all of the, the whip cracking sound effects and the like headdress things that they've got on. I'm trying not to give too much away. Um, not that there's anything to give away. It just, it's just so funny. I don't know. I can't stop thinking yeah. about it. I reckon there's three reasons it's funny to us. First of all, it's Tom Hanks, who's possibly the most likable actor that ever lived. So anything that he's in, you're like, oh, good. Tom Hanks is in it just because it's Tom Hanks. Secondly, we all love absurdist humor. And this is as absurd as anything could possibly be. <laughs> but, but thirdly, it also has some really great like slapstick visual humor in it with the dancing and stuff. And I think <laughs> yeah, yeah. sound effects, those three boxes are, are like a, just like a giddy cocktail for us to drink up because it's it like ticks all the boxes. And a stupid catchphrase that anyone can say. Any questions? Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. I like so it how um, one thing I hadn't seen when I'd seen the, the bits of it in isolation was how aggressive the people in the elevator are getting about how <laughs> dumb the scaring <laughs> thing is. The guy's like, why did you go all in on David Pumpkins? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's excellent. So, yeah, the good news about SNL is that the geo-blocking is gone, so you can watch a whole bunch of old sketches on YouTube now. So check yeah. out David Pumpkins, check out The Californians, Ranch, I watched uh, I watched your recommendation the other week, the NASA Challenger thing. Very, oh, very, very too. good. Yeah, four parts. Very good. And good's a wrong word because it's kind of tragic and it's it's hard to feel good yeah. enjoying it, but compelling for sure. I've um I've actually still only watched the first episode because I, as I think I mentioned, um, I'm watching with Michelle, so we will never ever finish it. But I, I look forward to one day. I look forward to the idea of watching it again one day. It's good. Yeah. Spoiler alert! It blows up. Oh, but one thing I, I stumbled upon after watching it, I don't know how I even started thinking about this. I Googled, I figured like being an astronaut is one of the, one of those jobs, like being a surgeon where there is no room for someone who is not super competent. Like you couldn't be a semi-competent astronaut. Right. But I thought, mm-hmm. I wonder if anyone's ever been an astronaut, but was just shit at it. <laughs> Turns out there was a guy. Do you want to hear about him? <laughs> So there's a guy, and, and this is all reasonably well-sourced information. A lot of it comes from the memoirs of the people who, who worked on the, the programs. A guy called Scott Carpenter. <laughs> and Scott, Scott Scott flew on Aurora 7, the, the, the first, the second orbital mission after the guy called John Glenn. Widely considered by national, NASA officials to be in a near disaster. He was in, oblivious to the jeopardy in which he was placing himself. Carpenter came close to making himself America's first space fatality. So according to the flight director, Chris Craft, Carpenter was completely distracted, depleted nearly all of his maneuvering fuel while doing sightseeing. <laughs> That's the first thing he did. Fell dangerously behind on checklists, neglected to give information about possible altitude control malfunction until it was too late <laughs> to correct. He ignored... <laughs> Here's the other thing. Ignored questions and instructions from mission control. That seems like something you shouldn't be doing. Just oh ignored them. God. In a space scenario, yeah. Screwed up his re-entry by being several seconds late firing the retro rockets so that he was a huge... He came in 24 degrees on the wrong angle. You know, there's like that narrow window where you have to get through yeah, yeah. the atmosphere. He was wrong by 24 degrees, <laughs> which oh is, seems like a lot. As such, he almost had a heart attack due to the resulting 12 Gs of acceleration force <laughs> <laughs> that he had to pull. 
because he was going to, he was also going too fast. And then Scott Carpenter overshot the landing zone by 250 miles. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of miles. Leaving it. So he had to sit in that little tiny raft for three hours because the boats had to go to get him and they were so far away. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. So there you go. It's the sort of stuff that, you know, like, like when they were writing the, the Simpsons episode where Homer goes to space, like I'm sure they would have considered putting some of that stuff in. Like he wastes all the fuels, is like tootling around in space and stuff. <laughs> like that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, the, the, the postscript to the story was that he was never sent to space again. <laughs> i got to say, um, notwithstanding that guy being a buffoon, you, you got to like when you watch those old movies about like the space race and the Mercury seven and the Apollo astronauts and all that stuff. And you see a fair bit of in that Ryan Gosling movie that I liked, but no one else did from maybe a couple of years ago, but like oh, the balls on those, the balls on those guys, like I know they're all like pilots and all that. So they're used to that stuff, but you just like, they're pretty much just like, Hey, it's 1962. Let's just like put a giant rocket. We only invented last week on the back of this plane and it would have sent you up there. And we reckon if you do this, you should be fine. Off you go. And they're like, okay. Yeah, like it's so dangerous and in- incredible. And if something goes wrong, the way you get out of it is using a pencil and a protractor. Yeah, like, and the, 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 fa- the fact that um, when, you, when you're thinking about that, watching the Challenger mission and, and seeing how many things can go wrong then, and all those moon missions were like 15 to 20 years before that, mm. it is it's both a tribute to American ingenuity and what you can do if you've got unlimited money to throw at something. But um, for those guys, you're just sitting on this thing, but like, this is just a controlled explosion. You know, like um, especially the early ones where people first went up, they're just like, they've got no idea what they're doing. Basically it's all on the guys. Like no wonder yeah. Neil Armstrong and those guys were all such hard cases. Yeah. I mean, the scale of, of you know, the, the propellants that it took, the Saturn V rocket, the Apollo missions used, it was over a hundred meters high. And I went. I saw yeah, a piece of it at the um, the Museum of Flight in Seattle, which is absolutely fantastic. Mm. If we ever get to travel again, yeah. and you go to Seattle, you got <laughs> yeah. to go to the Museum of Flight. They basically dredged up a couple of the cones from the bottom of it, and these things were like the size of a house. Like it's just the scale of the shit. Yeah. The other thing they had there was the um, the little module that they re-entered Earth in, like on the Apollo Eleven mission, was just there, like a meter away from me. It was freaking awesome. Great place. Yeah, it's awesome. So cool. I, I was going to say I haven't watched the Apollo Eleven documentary that was that came out a couple of years ago. You guys seen that? It's it's like all made using um, footage taken at the time, and then I, I guess there's just you know like talking heads and, and stuff over the top of it. But apparently it is it's amazing. I haven't checked that out. I've, I've seen it's on it's on Amazon Prime here in Australia. But yeah, it's probably for me it's yeah, a it's, it's a yeah for for me it's a it's a I'm I'm going to watch it when I can kind of turn off all the lights, move the the couch kind of close to the TV so I get a really kind of good view and make sure I'm not going to be interrupted. Yeah. It's apparently absolutely amazing. I just, I find that stuff from that era to be just like incredible. Like for context, um, like it's 1969 or whatever they went. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but the moon is 384,000 kilometers from earth. <laughs> 384. It's the mid, sorry, it's the late sixties. Right? Yeah. So you can even yeah. like record a record very well. Like, and they're just like, should be fine. Like, it's just like 384,000. 
you know, it's just incredible stuff. Yeah, it is. Uh, the other thing that's, that that's comes out in this this Challenger thing, Ranch, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but it, there's sort of implied in parts of it that part of the reason why NASA was starting to push these things and also part of the reason these, these space programs kind of ebbed and flowed was they struggled to keep people interested because like the moon landing was this amazing thing, but then people wanted more. And it's like, we got there and it's like, well, we did some experiments, but people sort of lost interest. And then they, they took cars up there. Remember they took little moon, they drove cars around on the moon and yeah. left and left them there. There's these little lunar rovers still up there. They're still there. Which is amazing. People got bored and, and the funding of that was so insane. It was like, it was like a third of the entire budget was going to the space program. And then once it was like, well, it turns out we can't live on the moon right now. Then, then the pressure's kind of on NASA. So on the challenge thing, they started like flying senators and stuff on the space shuttle to kind of mm. sweeten them into continuing the funding and shit. Unbelievable. But Man, what I'd give to live on the moon right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or, uh, or Mars. If, if total recalls anything to go by, at least Mars is exciting. You know, the shit happening there. Mm, 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 mm. People with three boobs, you know, we all said the same, the same dumb joke at the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So no, that was a, a great show. And, and Dave, you, you made a bold claim about the NBA finals on the last podcast. And for, for, a, for a little while there, it was almost, this most horrendous jinx on poor Andrew and Boots, but it turns out it was a good news story in the end. I guess for our friendship, it's good that it turned out well in the end because I, I, they would have been pissed if, if the Lakers had a loss. All I did was say congratulations before they'd won. Um, and of course, straight after I said that, they, they blew the next game and lost it in surprising fashion. But, you know, they and did come through and win and they had the two best players and that, that counts for a lot. Well, that's good. Good for them. How's the NFL going, Ranch? I, they've had a few stumbles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was. What's happening to the going, Patriots and everything? I know they had to be they had to stop right because what's his face got at the quarterback? Yeah, yeah. So look, it's been um, you know to to kind of go back to when we talked about it on the show a few weeks ago. We kind of said it was going to be entertaining one way or another, right? And um, you know the NFL, unlike the NBA, uh, have not set up a bubble type situation. Their their solution is just to have all the teams in their in their hometowns. And uh, and just make sure that you know there are a few protocols in place and the players aren't meant to go to the supermarket or whatever. Um, but then that means everything will be fine. And you know, wouldn't you know it? It kind of hasn't been uh, so good so far. So far, there's been outbreaks on um, on on a couple of teams. The main one has been the Tennessee Titans, where they've had I think 18 cases or something like that over the course of. I don't know, a couple of weeks or so, which has then meant that they'd had to kind of rejig the schedule uh, a lot and kind of change stuff around. Then Cam Newton, who's the quarterback for the Patriots, um, got it. And so he kind of, you know, has missed a game and the Patriots game then needed to get kind of put uh, rescheduled as well. But then, you know, when they when the team did play that week, a guy called, um, uh, oh my God, was it Gilmore? I can't remember. Like one of their top defensive players, uh, also had it, but actually played the game. It didn't know he had it at the time. It was out like, you know, after the game, you know, congratulating Pat Mahomes, the best player in the league, you know, in the center of the ground and stuff. So it's just been, it's been a bit of a shambles. I think even this week, they then had to reschedule like something like eight different games, like over the course of the next week or two. So far, the the league are, are kind of, you know, like I, I suppose on, on one hand, you could say it's, it hasn't been managed badly. I mean, everything's still going ahead. And as, as Boots I think put it, you know, like the, the, the season will definitely be played and it will definitely be finished. 
but it's going to really just be messy. I think, you know, the, 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 the league so far are just kind of shuffling around by weeks and kind of, you know, moving the odd game from Sunday to Tuesday or whatever to kind of get it done, but they haven't necessarily, you know, kind of taken a step to, to rejig the structure of the season, like say the AFL did where they just kind of shortened it and then played rounds like all week long and stuff. They haven't gone to that level. Um, but my God, it really feels like, there's only so much they can do without needing to really think through doing something different is what I'd say. Someone, I can't remember who, someone likened it to a bad golfer, like the way the NFL had set it up and how it was going to go was exactly how golf goes. If you're bad at golf, like if a bad golfer gets a par on the first two holes, it's, it's still only a matter of time until the triple bogey comes. Yeah. It's going to happen. And yeah. that's, uh, yeah, that's yeah. how it's been for them. So predict, seemingly so like just so predict, I don't know, like, it's one thing to be like, uh, uh, it's hard to do with NFL compared to NBA. NBA is well set up to, to be able to do a bubble because it's smaller courts and all that shit and less less support staff and all that's all true. But like the NFL thing, like did, did anyone think this wasn't going to happen? Like it's no. it's not, not their fault, but it was always going to happen. So the idea that they were like, well, let's just go ahead and hopefully it just won't happen. And then we don't mm. really have a plan. As, as you said, Hugh, sort of shuffling. The, there's no strategic change or a new plan to help manage it. It's really just, well, we'll plug this hole, then we'll plug that hole, then we'll plug this hole, and hopefully no one dies. You know? Yeah, and and look, in, in fairness, in a league with 32 teams with rosters of, oh, God, I need boots here, um, you know, of, of 50 plus, I might even be more this year, um, you know, and and countless, you know, hundreds of people working at a, at each team and the league itself. The fact that there's been, you know, like, I don't know, 20 odd cases or something is actually pretty good, right? You know, like it means that, you know, most people are kind of doing the right thing. And given that, you know, seemingly everyone in, in the whole United States kind of, you know, has COVID or has had it, you know, like they're, they're, they're probably not doing too badly. Do you want to hear something crazy? Just to switch topics for a second onto, uh, to yes, ten- onto tennis for a sec. So firstly, French Open is running... One Nadal obviously won at 100, 100 wins, two losses at the French Open. That's his career record now. The um, the, the women's he's won at thirteen times that tournament. So that will Is that, who, who do you lose to, Dave? Joe be the Joker, doesn't it? Uh, he did lose Djokovic once. Uh, was was not in the final. Yeah, yeah, he was. I think Federer never beat him. No, Federer has beat him on clay a couple of times, but never here. He's beat him in Rome, but not at the French. French is harder because. I had one of the balls from the French Open a few years ago, um, one of the actual Matthews balls. And there's a theory that the balls are made by Babolat, which is the same company that makes Nadal's rackets. So the theory is that they work together pretty closely to get the balls so that they really suit his game. And so at the, the clay court tournaments that don't use that ball, the others have a bit more of a chance. Um, they, they still have very little chance, but Fed's beaten him a couple of times on clay, but never at the French. The two people Do you think there's him, something genuinely to that theory or yes, is that just... Uh, yes, really having, having hit with that ball, yes. Like it would be impossible to play a guy who hits it as heavy as him with a ball like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disputing that, but, but like... Do you genuinely think that Babalat are like we are going to design a ball specifically in conjunction with Rafael Nadal to give him a favourable advantage in this tournament? Well, they're very happy to see their athlete win, and they're 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 restrained by rules, right? So they're not going to go outside the rules. But within those rules, they're like, well, if we manufacture something and our guy likes that and plays well with it, then sure, you know, I, I kind of think that's it. But there's very stringent guidelines on how it could be. But within those guidelines, yeah, sure, they would. But the crazy thing I was going to tell you about pandemic and tennis. So you notice that Wimbledon just wasn't on this year. It was like, no questions. We're just not playing. 
the thing that they did, so in 2003, the All England uh, Lawn Tennis and Croquet Championships, which is what it's called, somebody there took notice of what was happening with the SARS virus and started paying a million pounds a year in pandemic insurance back in 2003. Wow. So this year, when, when the pandemic came, they were covered and got paid out 140 million pounds as like reparations for not having the tournament because of a pandemic, because somebody 17 years ago started paying a million a year in pandemic insurance. Jesus would have been pretty easy to strike pandemic insurance out of the budget. Any one of those years, right? Going, oh, we don't. Yep. I'm amazed it made it through. Me too. Yeah. What Just... hippie put that on there? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Whoever he was, if he's still there, he's, I guess he's angling for some sort of, some sort of bonus. Football, football prelims this weekend. You got two two matches, right? You've got Geelong and Port. No, Richmond, Richmond and Port tomorrow, right? Apologies, Richmond and Geelong fans, but I'm hoping for a Brisbane um, Port grand final. I reckon that would be great. Uh, but both get, both games should be really good. I, I, I can't wait. I did not see uh, I did not see Geelong smashing Collingwood last week coming. I did not see that. that was, coming. It was actually just weird though. Geelong have this weird like downhill skier thing happening where I'm never really convinced that they're that good and they're sort of dislikable, but they were brilliant last week and like they just murdered Collingwood, who I probably think are a better team, but um, not they certainly weren't last week. Credit to to Trent, the fucking bottom feeding piece of shit rat, setting up the um the the, uh, the Zoom call. But just I felt bad for for Timmy Wood and Lawson, who just they they joined and within five minutes, like they were just the game was over. Ranch, did you want to? I know you said on our chat during the week that you, um, and we said at the time that you should have been there for our discussion about Laserdisc. Do you want to quickly retort some of the inaccuracies or, or enlighten us a bit about the <laughs> word of Laserdisc? Look, firstly, I'd say it's it's weird that the, that the one movie that Sam watched on Laserdisc was Lord of the Flies, of all things. Like, of all the, of all the, it's weird. Of all the movies to watch that uh, was interesting. I thought the observation around um, like no matter how good like the, the, the picture quality was from the, from, the, from the physical media you have, the TV you're probably watching it always a piece of shit and the, and, the, and the speakers were bad too. So what does it really matter? But, um, you know, look, the, the, the concept of Laserdisc being, you know, kind of better than DVD is, 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 is not necessarily the case. Like the, 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 the video resolution is not bad by comparison, but it's nowhere near as good. Um, and, and, and same with sound as well. Um, and, and, you know, like the, like just the, the, the fact that like, you know, laser disc can have like, I think maybe, maybe an hour max kind of content on it before you've got to flip it over. So to watch like, you know, a good <laughs> like movie, you've kind of got like four different discs. You got to change it once every hour and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's bad. I didn't know. I didn't remember that. Yeah, I don't no, remember having to do that. How funny. Yeah, you have yeah. to flip it. So yeah. if you want, if you take, you go around a person's house to watch Star Wars, you have to take like a DJ bag with seven records in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like a crate. <laughs> well, it's it's one of those examples of technological advancements that are not actually advancements, like things that you are implementing in the name of progress, but are actually worse than the thing they replaced. Mm-hmm. The, the things yep. I thought of with that, first thing I thought of was the start button in a car, which I actually think is functionally worse than a key. Mm-hmm. We had this silly Toyota urban cruiser, which is like this tiny little four by four they sell over here. And it had the key fob and the car knew about the key fob. And then if it was nearby, it would press the start button. But that also meant that you, you could lose the fucking thing, but you'd still be able to press the start button without ever knowing where your keys were. Or you could even have dropped the keys next to the car 
and press the start button and just drive okay. yeah. off. And so like, I, I get that people think it's cool to press a button, like they're driving an Aston Martin or something, but that's not an improvement. It's, no. it's worse yeah, than a kid. It doesn't help. It's worse. No. I got, I got one for you. Almost any voice recognition as part <laughs> of a customer <laughs> service program. Yes. So you ring the bank, you're wanting to get access to your account, it's been locked out or check about your loan or something. And you ring up and you're on a tram or something. I don't know if you remember, but trams were part of this thing they had called public transport. Where people would together go to play. Anyway, it's a distant memory now. But, um, <laughs> and you'd find yourself going, uh, uh, home loan, inquiry, inquiry, something else, payments. And, and, it, and, and it's just like, there's no time advantage to this. It often doesn't work. It's really inappropriate if you're not at home by yourself and it just is not better in any way than if it was just going hit three, if you want more information. Yeah. It just it's yeah. terrible. Yeah. hundred percent agree. You know, the, the yeah. thing I, I hate the most, or, there's a few things I used to go to um, CES, the big trade show in Las Vegas for everyone showed off their, their latest gadgets. Every time I went, Samsung were trying to show off their internet refrigerators every time they've been trying to push internet refrigerators into our lives for at least 10 years. And they're just dumb. I've, I've never understood why you would do it unless like, like I, I'd never understood why it would be an advantage unless like it allowed me just to open up the fridge and go, Oh, we don't have orange juice. And I can say fridge, put orange juice on my shopping list or whatever. Is That's that what it's supposed to do. But, but that's the only selling point, right? And they've been flogging this thing for 10 years. It's meant to be order, automatically ordering things for you without you even doing that. So it'd be like the orange juice is low or has run out and it would arrive for you in your, with your batch of groceries without you having had done doing it. I would have zero, zero trust that that would be done correctly. Yeah. Uh, look, and I think there will come a time where it does work when you've got internet of things and all the packaging has little sort of semi-smart stuff yeah. in it and it can talk to each other. And it, at some point it will make sense, but... All these years, Samsung's been trying to flog it. It hasn't been anywhere near ready. So it's just dumb. It's just a TV thing and a half working piece of technology that doesn't work when it comes to ordering stuff. But I, I admire their um, their kind of shamelessness and just they just keep fucking trying. Like yeah. everybody needs this. Yeah. And we're just like, no, we fucking don't. We don't need this. There was a, a cool thing that I actually think I heard that they'd stopped doing them. But the, the more functional version of that was a bit of Tide. I don't think we have it here, but in mm. America, Tide is like the go-to um, washing liquid for clothes, you know, like uh, tie pods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, to the point where it's got enough currency that there was a stage where people were robbing, um, convenience stores and stuff, stealing tide and using tide as a borderline form of currency. They'd like trade it with other people like cigarettes style. Anyway. Um, what? so tide brought out, t- yeah, seriously, it became this thing. Um, when I was, uh, but what, but because, because it's, it's so highly sought after that you could um, essentially trade it like it's cash. So people were using people it wanted like a, a specific laundry detergent. Yeah, so much. It had what? this kind of it had this kind of like um, crystal equivalent of the washing liquids um, rep. Like so, it became highly sought after. Well, why did they make it scarce? Wouldn't you just want to sell more of it and just put more of it on the street? I. I don't ask me too many questions, but that's a hundred percent true. Um, and and, and a, what, it was a, like a, a crime wave around thing. Tide. Like it was like a I don't think it was like you, you had, I don't think it was like you had it stacked up in your house like amps behind like a nineteen eighty eight Faith No More concert. But it was like more like I think it was just a highly tradable black market commodity. So you'd knock over a store, 
take a hundred bottles of it and you could use it as part of, you know, your nefarious black market shit. I, anyway, I can don't understand notwithstanding that, that easily provably to be false story. Um, <laughs> I believe the tide at one point brought out this kind of button, right? So you'd get this tide button and you'd stick it with Velcro yes. or whatever onto the, the wall above your washing machine, right? And so you're, you're using washing machine and you're, you're, you're using it five times a day like we do. And you're like, shit, the tide's running out. And you'd literally just go bang and hit the button. And basically the button would, I guess, wirelessly or Bluetoothly attach to your computer. And you get uh, yeah, to your Amazon. And it basically just by going click, it, it ordered it, paid for it, and, order, and arranged delivery for the next one to be at your house. And just done with that one click. Which, um, again, like, is, is it essential? No, but it was actually, I was kind of like, well, if you're tired and you want people to keep ordering and you want to make it seamless, that is somewhat an effective way to deliver that experience. But when you say click, you make it sound like it's a mouse or a computer. It's not. It's, it was like a doorbell. That's what it was like. It was like a dumb... Tied button. Tied button stuck on the wall. Yeah. You would want to keep that out of reach of the boys. Otherwise, you would have, <laughs> you would have a lot of tired. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Given, I'll see what, they, see what they're done with doorbells. That's a great example of a technology that is not scalable. Like if they bring that in and it becomes a thing, how does that work once you have a button for 50 different products? Do you have to mm-hmm. set up like a fucking synthesizer style array of buttons? Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't scale. It works if there's only one thing that you ever need, but that's not really how it works when you're buying groceries. You always need more than just one fucking thing. Now, you know, the thing that's the worst mm-hmm. about improvements that were supposed to make lives easier and actually made it much worse Two words for you. One word that's two words combined. Recapture. Yeah. Those yeah. fucking authentication yeah. things where there's a grid of a picture and it's like, hey, why don't you click on all the squares that have a traffic light? And then you've got to type a word that mm. they've intentionally fucked up to the point where it's just irritating. And, and this, you know how sometimes it doesn't quite believe you and you just have to do like four of these tests in a row? I'm so enraged by that, even though I understand why they're doing it. I'd rather just have my data be given to someone than have to go through that. I'd rather take the risk. <laughs> yeah. I, I like it when you go to, I like it when you, when you go to make a payment for something. So you've shown you legit by literally giving your payment details to this service, like you're paying your gas bill or whatever. You type in your credit card detail and all the other details and you go pay. And the next screen after that goes, Hey, before we put the payment through, tell us which one of these pictures has a mountain in it. I'm like, what do you care at that point? I'm giving you my money. Don't even worry about it, dude. You know it's, like, it's like you married someone and they're like, hey, wait, what's your, what's your favorite color? It's like, what are you talking about? Just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What just, difference does it make now? We we're, past money. We're, we're past that stage. No, you, you're right about that. It doesn't, there's a lot, I mean, user experience is not like something everybody is good at and they're still kind of learning. But when it's, when it's good, it's good. Like Amazon being the example, like Amazon Prime in the States, it's bad for the people who are fulfilling those orders who I guess will be replaced by robots soon enough anyway. But as a consumer, the experience of that is pretty goddamn phenomenal. It's just like, well, this thing just came to my house within an hour of me wanting it. And that's, and it was anything in the world that I wanted. I don't think people here would realize how the internet shopping experience in the U S well, let's say in big cities in the U S is like just another thing. You never pay for anything. It's immediate. Everything's available every time. It's just a different, it's not like here. But the, um, the other things I thought of with this technology advancements that are not advancements are like dumb devices that they try to make smart, a bit like the fridge. Like I, we used to go to this spa hotel 
And if you wanted to get a glass of water in the breakfast buffet, you had to use an iPad to get it to dispense water. (laughs) (laughs) But but it was such a crap application that often crashed. So like your water dispenser has crashed. It's like, you know what? A fucking tap is a tap. Just, just let me have something I can physically use instead of like a crappy graphic that I get to touch and see a picture of a thing filling up with water. I don't need that. I can see the, can see that, that is that is infuriating. I would be infuriated. Doesn't mean well. It gets That's worse. So funny. There's a there's some guys with a startup now who are convinced they're going to change the world. They've created the Nespresso of Scotch whiskey. That's that something mean? that's that. Well, Nespresso obviously is like sort of dumbing down the coffee experience until it's just a pod and a button press. So these guys have got like a chemical process where they can emulate the properties of scotch whiskey and you just buy pods of it and run water through it and that's how you have it right i mean like i don't like scotch whiskey that much um i did do a tasting once which taught me a bit about it um and i appreciate it a bit more than i used to but surely that idea doesn't work right like do people who want to drink scotch whiskey want want nespresso style i surely no one wants that given that you can um given that people who know which are definitely not me by the way seem to know whether it was barreled in fucking oak or barreled in Scotland or whatever in five years, 10 years, 12 years. Sure, surely if, if the if a capsule of this chemical concoction made in Shenzhen, it comes into your, your glass, people are going to realise that in like half of or a quarter of one second if you're like a Scotch fancier. Maybe it's good for teenagers who just want to get wasted though. Maybe that's maybe that's the target audience. Yeah, maybe it's that's the hidden secondary but actually primary target audience. You could be right. Yeah, that's right. Hid, hidden secondary but actually primary audience. <laughs> it's very good. That's a thing, isn't it? <laughs> like there's a lot of products like, like, like alcohol to teenage kids being a classic mm. example. You're mm-hmm. pitching it at 25-year-olds even though you know damn well it's 16-year-old kids asking their big brother to buy it for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. Slippery slope alcohol advertising. It's banned over here. No alcohol advertising. Can't Is have that it. right? Yeah. The only the only ones that are allowed to advertise are the no alcohol beers. Um, well, having said that, alcohol there's, there's some decent alcohol-free beers now. Like the Carlsberg one is good, and the Heineken one's good. And the I, I was going to say the the ad for the for the Heineken zero alcohol beer is actually really good. It's got um, Nico Rosberg. Um, who's a, is an F1 driver. And I think his father was an F1 driver as well. And it's got like the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon song. And, and like his dad's just kind of like trumping him, like at, at, at whatever they do. Um, and, you know, he's always like taking the keys and he's going to drive and stuff. And like Nico's getting all pissed off and whatever. Um, and then, you know, like the end of the ad is that, you know, like Nico gets the keys because he's been drinking this kind of non-alcoholic beer all day. And so he can drive and whatever. And they take off in this pretty hot looking Mercedes or something. But it's actually just like, it's a really well shot and kind of funny um, ad. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I sometimes drink that is that the blood alcohol limit here is 0.02, not 0.05. Mm. And so that puts you into an area where almost any type of drink can make you uncertain of whether you could drive or not. And the penalties are very heavy. They, they penalize you like a percentage of your like earnings and your net worth. It's not a flat Whoa. fee. So there was wow. a guy, there was a, there was one of the, the high flying Nokia execs in Finn because the Finns are the ones who invented this rule, I guess, because they probably had a pretty big drink driving problem. Cause I don't know if you've ever drunk with Finnish people or not, but I have not. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> 
Anyway, <laughs> so they invented the system of, of we'll just find you a percentage of what you're worth or a percentage of your income. So one of the top guys at Nokia got caught. It might have actually been speeding, not drink driving, but he got fined like 140,000 euros just because he don't know. And it's just like bad luck. That's the rule. And we'll look at what you got and that's what you got to pay us. And that was what happened. Wow. That I, um, Ranch, I, I only know this. Dave probably knows because you've, fucking live in Scandinavia, but I read the book about absolute vodka and um, the rules in Sweden would literally blow your mind around alcohol. It's like you're buying like heroin. Like yeah. that, again, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, but from my memory from reading this book, it's like they, it was banned, particularly vodka was banned from, cause I think they had very significant societal problems around it. So it, it from, from what I remember, it was like, all right, we'll let you buy it but you can only buy it from these places that are like possibly like the chemist. Correct. And you can only buy it for like three hours, three hours, like one day a week. And it's one bottle per year each or something like, do you know what I mean? Look, it's, it's correct. Wow. Incredibly far beyond what you think reasonable would be. Yeah. That's um, exactly how it was. No, for, for all, vodka? for all alcohol. Uh, um, and, and, all grog, yeah. and they also incredibly strict in having basically like a chemist person dispense it to you and like basically put it on the bench. It was also encouraging this kind of, behavioral science thing of, of shaming you out of ordering too much because mm. it's not like you can just yeah. grab whatever and just discreetly load up your car. It's like, well, we're going to put it here and everybody can look at it. And the cultures here, they don't like being shamed publicly. And so if you ordered 15 bottles of red, then it, it's not a good look to have everybody see that or at least back then. But even still, there's no retail environment for spirits or wine here. So beer you can buy at, at supermarkets, but not on Sundays. But having said that, the supermarkets aren't fucking open on Sundays. Oh, right. Okay. But you, if you want to buy wine or spirits, you have to buy it from the government owned wine monopoly. It's literally called the wine monopoly. And so it's not like you get specials or promos or price wars, or it's like, nope, you're just going to pay whatever the fuck we tell you, you got to pay to get that. And it's, it's funny. They tax the shit out of cheap alcohol, I guess, to stop kids from, from buying cheap alcohol, but then expensive alcohol they don't tax much so if, if, if you kind of can afford fancy wine you're probably going to get it for even less than people would get it in oz but for, for normal wine you're going to pay like twice as much so it has a big impact on how people live like kids did used to do like moonshine and bathtub alcohol and shit like that um because it's too hard, which is is worse right than getting like mm. legitimate booze but also people who want to go out and have fun go to a person's house first and do a lot of their drinking at a house because also alcohol is really expensive because the venues are buying it at these high prices themselves. So it really impacts how people live lives. But no, you're exactly right, Sam. That is the rule. That is the rule. Wine, wine monopoly. It was the rule, but even now it's still pretty, pretty strict. Sweden is cheaper than Norway. We used to go across the border to buy our booze. And the Swedes would go across. The, it was like a chain of people going across the border into a cheaper country to buy alcohol. <laughs> In closing, what's the one thing, if you could wish for one thing to reopen as part of these hopefully new things that are reopening this weekend, what would you wish for? What's top on the list? Uh, Kilometre restrictions being eased for me. Like, uh, look, that and, you know, like I would I would like to see some some more retail stores open, not, you know, if for no other reason, just the, the, the poor bastards who are running those stores, it would be good for them to kind of reopen. But for me, kind of more selfishly, the ability to go more than 5Ks from my house. Yeah, the, the, that, that would be mine too. They started to float that it might be 20Ks tonight. I don't want it to be 20Ks. I want it to be no Ks because I'm tired of this. So um, hopefully they 
maybe um, let that go soon. But yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to be able to go to a restaurant or something, right? But who knows when that'll happen. So yeah, the 5K restrictions would do me for now. Well, fingers crossed that they... Uh, I'm they... surprised that they've gone from being like, it's it's five and then like if if they... if you're kind of surprised that you know if they did ease it, like you just said, it goes from five to twenty. That seems like quite a quite a large kind of release. Like if, you, know, if but... you're going to keep if you're going to keep a rest- a restriction on there, like why twenty? Twenty is actually quite a long way. Like it, it just I don't know. It just seems weird to me, doesn't it? It seems like like what I know. It seems like five Ks was pretty arbitrary anyway. You know, from from what it says, it seems to be based on vibe more than any science. So yeah, who knows, Ranch? I know what you mean. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, that's all I got. Well, I hope uh, I hope that that they um, they start to make life easier because it's been a fucking long road and it's um, I can't even imagine how how hard it's been for everybody. So fingers crossed for that. But at least we've got football to look forward to this weekend and possibly a, a, a Zoom call courtesy of Trent the Rat, which would be fun. So um, hmm. hopefully see you guys there. But that was it for this week, a short version of the Dick and Ham show because I forgot to press record. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Wir laufen mein Weil, uns geht schon schwer die Wüste. Wir laufen mein Weil, uns tut schon weh die Füße. Wir sind voll einfach nicht normal.